Welcome to Laces Out, an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. Here to talk all things football is your host Suhaib. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of this show. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, guys? Welcome back to yet another episode of Laces Out, the official podcast of the Pigskin Podcast Network. I am your host, Sohaib, and in today's episode, I got a ton of stuff to go over. We got some coaching news to break down, as long as other news around the league. We will also be previewing this weekend's playoff matchups and so much more. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, and enjoy the rest of the show. Let's start off, you know, Let's, let's get this out the way, you know, around the NFL segment, we've had a few news. I know many of us are excited for the conference championship games. I'm excited. A ton of people are excited. But let's get out the news segment so we can, you know, kind of save the best for last. Let's start off with the news out of Carolina. Frank Reich has been hired as a new head coach for the Carolina Panthers on what is reported a four-year deal. It's a little quick fun fact that, you know, before I start breaking down the move, Frank Reich was the starting QB in the first game in Panthers history in 1995. He did go 0-3 as a starter for the Panthers, but, you know, I just had to mention that fun fact. Another quick thing, it's like, you know, an impressive fact is he is also the first offensive head coach in franchise history. So not only is this like an interesting hire in, you know, hiring Frank Reich, but also in this this franchise's history, they've never had an offensive-minded head coach, which is crazy to think about, you know, considering how long they've been in the league. But that's definitely an interesting fact. But the biggest thing that I feel like Frank Reich will be tasked with is finding this team's next QB. Because ever since that shoulder injury from Cam, the Panthers have really failed to find a good starting QB to lead this team. You know, you go through the list of guys that they had. You know, they went through the likes of a Wash Cam Newton twice, Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker. Yeah... Not really that good of a list of QBs to have. All all these QBs in the last four years, mind you. It's just really, really, you know, an issue that I feel like Frank Reich needs to solve in order to have a successful tenure out in Carolina. That is something he, you know, whether you want to blame him in Indianapolis for that or not, that is something he failed to do, kind of finding the next franchise guy for this Indianapolis Colts team. So yeah, I feel like that's going to be the biggest thing for both sides. Can they figure out the QB position? Because that's really going to determine how successful these, you know, this relationship is going to be throughout, you know, Frank Reich's tenure, as I said. And then like, even if you look at it from Frank Reich's perspective, he now gets the chance to pick his own QB to work with. Whether, as I said, whether you want to blame him for like the issue in Indianapolis or not, that is something he wasn't really able to do with the Colts, you know, they went through five different starting QBs in his five years as a head coach. They went, you know, they had Andrew Luck, and then he suddenly retired. They had Jacoby Brissett. They had Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. After Andrew Luck, they really had a difficult time finding the next QB. And whether that was for a lack of, you know, drafting or whether kind of trying to take the quick, quick route, you know, fast way out, that just really didn't work out at the end of the day. And whether, and whether you want to blame Frank Reich for that or not, that is up to you, but regardless, I just feel like in Carolina, he now has the power because there were there were rumors in Indianapolis that Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay really kind of forced him to go with this veteran QB route, 
Whether that's true or not, that's up to you to believe. Now in Carolina, what we do know, he should, and I feel like he will have the say on who starts at QB for the Carolina Panthers next year. What direction does he want this Carolina Panthers team to go offensively? So it's going to be really interesting to see how how you know how that plays out. But overall, my thoughts on the move, I'm really starting to like this move more the more I think about it, right? The Panthers have the ninth pick in the draft. And you look at it, if they're able to get one of the top QBs, whether it's, you know, not probably not Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but whether it's Will Levis, whether they have Anthony Richardson value really highly, whether, you know, whether it's trading up, you know, for the likes of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, pairing a young, talented QB with Frank Wright could turn out to be a really good move. And I just feel like with, you know, Frank Reich's ability as an offensive play caller, because that really wasn't what hurt this Indianapolis Colts, you know, hurt him with the Indianapolis Colts. What really hurt him was, you know, poor QB play, whether, you know, getting washed quarterbacks, whatever it was. Frank Reich as a play caller and as a QB, you know, kind of development guy, he he can be what this Panthers team needs. And with the light, you know, pairing him with the likes of Anthony Richardson, that would be really, really interesting because that is a guy whose ceiling could be, you know, amongst the highest uh, out of all the drafted QBs. And pairing him with, you know, an offensive, you know, mess, not mastermind, you know, whether you want, an offensive play caller such as Frank Reich, that could really be what this Panthers team needs. And that could be, you know, the move that kind of takes them to the next step. So I get, I get the move from the fact that they want to, they want to go with a young QB and kind of groom him with the right offensive play caller. And I really think Frank Reich, especially with his ability that he showed that he can adapt to any QB and really put them in a great, good position to succeed. I really think that's that's the thought process behind why Carolina, because many people were really shocked at seeing Frank Reich go to Carolina as the head coach. So looking, So if you look at it from that perspective, I really, really like this move, you know, if I'm looking at it from that point of view. And then, you know, if they don't want to go the young QB route with, you know, especially I spoke about his ability to kind of adapt to whoever is at QB with the way Sam Darnold closed out the season last year, there really is the possibility that Frank Reich could take him to the next level. Whether that eventually happens or not, that's that remains to be seen. That's a huge if though. But that's a scenario that really you can't write off due to Frank Reich's ability to adapt to the QBs, you know, and to adapt his system to the QBs that he has at his disposal. You can never say never with that. And whether he wants to go with Matt Corral, whether he wants to, as I said, draft a QB, the main thing is this Carolina Panthers ownership, you know, the GM, the front office, the owners, they really put an emphasis on putting whoever is at QB with the best at the you know putting them in the best position to succeed and that is why i feel like this is a move you know especially with the ben johnson news you know it seemed like carolina was the favorites were the favorites to land ben johnson that didn't work out that kind of hinted as to the direction they were going with i didn't think they would go with the veteran play caller such as frank reich but that kind of you know you pair that knowledge along with you know the hiring of frank reich and now you can you can kind of see where the Panthers are heading with, you know, what direction they're planning on heading is. And that's really, you know, to put it simply, put the whoever's at QB in the best position to succeed moving forward. Because 
you know, you look at this team. This defense is a young, up-and-coming, you know, really interesting defense. So pair that with a, you know, relatively decent offense. And considering how weak the, the NFC South is, they could really be an interesting team next year. So that's really, you know, looking at it from that perspective, then you can kind of, you know, convince yourself that Frank Reich was a solid hire for this Carolina Panthers team. However, you know, it's really up to what you think, because Frank Reich, at the end of the day, he really didn't, you know, live up to expectations, you know. He had Carson Wentz, who was relatively, you know, he had average QBs throughout, and he really could not go over, you know, really take him over the hump. They, they were at most an average team. And you can argue, like, is that his... Is that his ceiling as a head coach? Is he an average, you know, an average team? Like, he'll lead you to the wild card, you know, one and done in the playoffs. That's really a, a valid argument, you know, against Frank Reich. However, you can look at the likes of Doug Peterson, who in his first year had the QB of his choice, basically, and kind of, you know, developed a young QB, surrounded that with young talent. Not saying the Panthers are going to be the Jaguars next year. I'm just saying they can kind of follow that blueprint and kind of, you know, you can kind of see that, it is entirely possible for a guy that really was average as a head coach at his previous tenure, kind of, you know, in a fresh start, kind of, you know, what's, you know, just kind of succeed in a in a new environment. That's like the best way to put it. So that's definitely an interesting, you know, an interesting hire nonetheless. One more thing I wanted to mention, though, about the Panthers and their head coaching situation is the news of Steve Wilkes. Should he have been the next head, you know, should he have been chosen as the next head coach? As we all know, Steve Wilkes took over the team when they were 1-4, led them to a 6-6 six and six end to the season, and had them in the playoff race up until the second to last week of the season. So he had a more than fair shot. I feel like he had a, he had a relatively solid case. And, you know, another thing I found interesting, and this kind of relates to my previous point, Kellen Moore finished second according to Tom Pelissero. So that kind of signaled the direction the Panthers wanted to go. So I don't think it was a case of Steve Wilkes not being a solid option. It was more of a case of the Panthers wanting to go in a different direction. As I mentioned, this is their first offensive head coach in their franchise history. So it's not so like the more I looked into it, I just feel like it's not a matter of Steve Wilkes not doing enough for the job. It's just a matter of Carolina wanting to go a different route, you know, head coaching wise, considering they already went through the defensive minded head coaching, you know, journey, you know, you can call it that. But that's that, that's really an interesting, an interesting, you know, scenario. Steve Wilkes, ultimately, you know, I just think he had a really good argument, as I said. And I think, you know, you could have argued that the Panthers could have gone with him as a head coach and Frank Reich as an offensive coordinator. You know, you can also argue the fact that this is too it's too soon for Frank Reich to be a head coach. I compared him to Doug Peterson in that situation. Doug Peterson, if I'm not mistaken, took a year off, you know, after the Philadelphia Eagles and kind of didn't take the Jacksonville head coaching job until the year after. You know, I got to double check on that. But, but yeah, you know, this could be a move. That really works out for this Carolina team, or this could be a move that can really, you know, set this team back a couple years. Only time will tell, because, you know, ultimately that's the that's the that's the name of the game. You know, we really won't know until, you know, they go out onto the field and kind of play. But 
my overall thoughts on the move, I'm it's starting to grow on me more and more over time. And I guess, you know, it's, it's only time to wait and see how they build this team this offseason because it's going to be a really interesting offseason out in Carolina. That was the only head coaching hire. However, however, we got a few coordinator hires. And the first one being Nathaniel Hackett as the new offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. For me, this is an interesting move for the Jets as, you know, they now shift to a veteran play caller to replace Mike LaFour, who was a young play caller. Personally, I don't get how Hackett got, gets a job after, you know, being the head coach for a Denver Broncos team that was 32nd in points per game. And, you know, before you even say he was a good offensive coordinator in Green Bay, he didn't really call the plays. So it's not really him being a good play caller. It was just a matter of being in a situation where, you know, he was coaching Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Matt LaFleur was the one calling the plays. So you can't really say his success in Green Bay is based solely off of Nathaniel Hackett. And then even in Jacksonville, you know, he had that good playoff run. However, he ultimately failed to develop Blake Bortles as a starting QB. And that, you could argue, really hurt this Jacksonville Jaguars team. So if you look at those, you know, separate 10 years as an offensive coordinator, I really don't like this move, you know, other than the fact that it could get you Aaron Rodgers. If you get if it gets you Aaron Rodgers, then this is an A-plus hire because Aaron Rodgers on this team, I feel like, is the missing piece. However, if they don't end up with Aaron Rodgers, then this team could be in really big trouble next year, especially with, you know, depending who's at QB. So ultimately, I think this is a move to kind of convince Aaron Rodgers to go to New York. That is the only logical reason I can see the Jets hiring him because his track record is just not it as a play caller. So that's that's my thoughts on, you know, that move. And then there was, you know, speaking of Michael Floor, he has been hired as the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, joining Sean McVay as the Rams' new signal caller. He ran a similar system with Shanahan, so the familiarity is there for both sides. I kind of spoke on this, you know, when it was reported that he was the favorite. I kind of gave my thoughts on that. So if you want to check that out, check out previous episodes. And then the most recent news, which happened a couple of hours before recording this. Ryan Nielsen the former Saints co-defensive coordinator, has been announced as the new defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. So he stays in division. You know, a relatively solid hire, in my opinion. Atlanta wanted to go in a different direction. And, you know, after Dean Pease, you know, who set up a really good foundation for whoever were to take this position, after he retired, Atlanta cast a wide net in their search, and they ultimately decided to go with Ryan Nielsen, who, you know, was a co-defensive coordinator for a relatively solid New Orleans Saints team. So that is a solid hire in my opinion. I feel like he could really do some interesting things with this Atlanta Falcons defense. But that is really it for... Oh, and then Bill O'Brien with the New England Patriots. I kind of almost forgot that because I tweeted about that. You can check that out on our Twitter at Laces of NFL Pod. But Bill O'Brien is now with the New England Patriots as he has officially been announced as the new offensive coordinator. He returns after previous stints with the Houston Texans as a head coach, with Penn State as a head coach. And the offensive coordinator for Alabama. So he gets to work with Mac Jones now. But yeah, that is it for coordinator news. Now for some head coaching news. There are four teams left that haven't hired a head coach. However, it seems like we can be getting you know, closer to the end of this crazy coaching carousel. D'Amico Ryans, who is probably regarded as the best, you know, one of the best candidates available as head coach, whether you want to include Sean Payne in that list or not. He is the best or the second best. 
He has now emerged as the favorite for the Houston Texans job, according to Ian Rappaport. So, based off what we know, it will be between Houston and Denver for the likes of Ryan, with Houston kind of leading the chase. Whether it is, you know, him being a former Texans player, or whether it is, you know, just kind of realizing that Houston may be the better situation overall. That I don't know what it is, but now Houston has the edge over the likes of the Denver Broncos. For the Indianapolis Colts, you know, Jeff Saturday is looking more and more likely to be the head coach for that team. And as baffling as it may seem, I mean, I'm just trying to process what like good they get out of that. Um, <laughs> he's the he's the favorite. He's odds-on favorite. You know, you can check that out on DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. But he is the odds-on favorite to become the head coach. And you know, according to reports, he is Jim Ursay's favorite. However, there's a few people within the Colts organization that don't believe he's the right guy. And rightfully so. I agree with those people. So it's going to be a really interesting scenario to see what direction the Indianapolis Colts end up going with. You know, there are reports going out by like right now that Raheem Morris is having a lengthy in-person interview late Friday night. So, you know, that could ultimately be another candidate for the Indianapolis Colts team. So I think it's going to be between Jeff Saturday and Raheem Morris for that job. The Arizona Cardinals. And the head coaching news, you know, one that I want to mention was the rumor going out that they had a great interview with Sean Payton. And to me personally, I think it will be between Sean Payton and Brian Flores for this job. I would, you know, I really believe that those are two guys that have really gotten a ton of traction as the head coach. It's going to be really interesting. If Sean Payne doesn't want to go there, then I really think Brian Flores is the favorite to become the next head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. However, one guy that really interests me, and I kind of feel like the Cardinals, if you know they don't end up with those two options, I feel like I would keep an eye on Shane Steichen, though, as I feel like he would be the right guy to kind of develop Kyler into a more consistent QB. Not, not trying to compare Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray because, you know, they're different players in their own ways. But you can see similarities in both of their games, you know. Really, you know, two QBs that rely on their mobility and, you know, I don't know. Because Kyler is a better passer than Jalen Hurts, which, you know, you could argue Kyler Hurts with Shane Steichen could be better than Shane Steichen with Jalen Hurts. So just like the overall, you know, his overall ability of kind of developing Jalen Hurts into a more consistent QB, I feel like he can do the same, if not more, with a QB such as Kyler Murray. But yeah, even that situation is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on because who the Cardinals hire next would kind of determine what direction they will be going into, heading into an offseason where they kind of cleared house and it's going to be really interesting to see what direction they go. And then finally, the Denver Broncos. I, for me personally, I think it's, Payton or bust, you know, Dan Quinn turned them down, you know, to return to Dallas. And ultimately, I just feel like they have to go with a veteran option to really maximize the window you have with Russ, especially considering the amount of assets you put into him. I think with all that in mind, you have to go with the veteran head coach, and I think he is the best option. You can go with another veteran head coach, such as like, you know, off the top, I don't know why he's the first guy off the top of my head, but Jim Caldwell, for example, going with him. Yeah, he might steady the ship, but he won't be the guy to take you to the next step. I think with Sean Payton and his ability as a coach to kind of raise the floor. And the man went 9-8 and eight last year with the likes of, you know, Taysom Hill and, you know, James Winston at QB last year. So I just think with the defense that Denver has and the weapons they have offensively, I think, you know, Sean Payton would be able to figure out Russell Wilson. 
and kind of maximize his talents. And I think he's the guy that would really, you know, take this Denver team to the next step. And I just think that it's pain or bust for this Denver Broncos team. But yeah, that really rounds up, you know, the head coaching news and kind of the around the NFL segment. So now let's, you know, shift towards our next segment, and that is the conference championship preview. We all know there are four NFL teams left, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Now, all the games have really close spreads, so if you're looking to make some serious cash, you should check out the quick same-game parlays on DraftKings Sportsbook. Those are probably my favorite in the entire website. One in particular that may have some nice value is the over 2.5 total touchdowns for the San Francisco 49ers, over 0.5 touchdowns for the Niners in the first quarter, and the Niners leading after the first quarter. It's a bit Niners heavy, but that same game parlay comes in at plus 370, meaning if it hits, you can make some serious money, and that has a really good chance of hitting. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. That is code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's get right into the segment, man. Niners-Eagles, let's start off with that banger of a matchup. And boy, what a day! What a way to start the Sunday Slater games, man. These are just arguably, you know, two of the best teams in the league going at it and what is expected to be an entertaining matchup throughout. And I feel like one of the biggest things I'm going to be watching for this game is how Brock Purdy performs against arguably the best defense he has faced as a starting QB. I, for one... Maybe an unpopular opinion, but I am not fully convinced on Brock Purdy. Sure, he has looked solid as the Niners. Sure, on the Niners team. Sure, he has looked. He has gone undefeated as the Niners starting QB. However, you have to take into consideration the matchup and the team he is with. He hasn't really faced a team, a defense such as the Philadelphia Eagles. The closest defense he has faced that's close to the Eagles is the Dallas Cowboys, and he honestly struggled against the Dallas Cowboys defense. So that kind of, you know, raises, you know, some concerns surrounding his ability to do it against a top-tier defense. And second, man, you can put anyone at QB. They would succeed with the weapons they have around them and the play calling that goes around, you know, with Kyle Shanahan at, at the helm. So those are just like, you know, kind of a few reasons why I'm still, you know, kind of uncertain around Brock Purdy and his ability to kind of take this team to the next step however you know as i said this is going to be the best defense he's played philly who you know this philly defense leads the league in sacks they have the number one passing defense in the league and honestly you know it's going to be really interesting to see how he performs you know with the you know the games at philly super bowl on the line how is Purdy going to perform with all that going against him you know he has passed you know all the tests however i'm just not fully sold because you know, we have we've seen this Niners here. We have seen this Niners team be in this position before. So we know they can get up to here. Their talent, you know, surrounding the QB position could make could like 
get them to this point. What has hurt the Niners year in and year out, and ultimately was the reason why they haven't been able to win a, win a Super Bowl, is their QB play. Can Brock Purdy take him to the next step? And that is gonna that is the biggest question mark I have, and that is the biggest you know question mark I feel like every Niners fan has is can the QB can their QB finally take him to the next step? So that's gonna be really interesting to see Brock Purdy, and kind of see how he you know performs in the position he's gonna find himself in, because I don't think it's gonna be a blowout matchup. That's for one. I don't think they're gonna be playing with the lead a ton. If anything, I think they're gonna be playing catch up. So can he match the likes of Jalen Hurts in that high-powered Philadelphia offense? That is the biggest thing I'm looking for from uh, from San Fran's point of view. As for Philly, Hurts did look relatively healthy last week, but how healthy is he actually? And what I mean by that is he hasn't really been tested the past two weeks against the Giants, so can he really still make the plays needed to beat a team like the Niners? Similar to Philly, this Niners defense is amongst the best, if not the best defense in the league. So this will be a big test not only for Jalen Hurts, but for this Philadelphia offense. We all know how good this Philadelphia offense has been, whether it's running the football, whether it's you know passing the football. It's It's been a really, really good Philadelphia offense. You can argue they're the most balanced offense in the league. So it's going to be really interesting. This is kind of you know a strength against strength type of matchup, and it's going to be a fun matchup to watch to really see how a play caller such as you know Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen Go up against the likes of D'Amico Ryans and this, it's going to be, yeah, Shane Steichen, D'Amico Ryans, two coordinators that have gone head coaching, you know, love. How are they going to match up going up against each other? It's going to be strength on strength action. So that's going to be a really fun and really interesting matchup to watch. As for my keys to the game, I feel like for San Francisco, the biggest thing is running the football. Run, run, run. Regardless of who's at QB, running the football has been the strength for this Niners team. And they should have some relative success considering that is the biggest weakness on this Philadelphia defense. And probably the only weakness. You know, they're 16th against the run, which I know it isn't really that bad. But considering they are number one against the pass and, you know, they're just a stingy defense all around. This may be the best way for this Niners team to beat this Philadelphia Eagles, you know, defense and this team overall. And not only successfully running the football, you know does wonders for them on offense it also keeps the likes of Jalen Hurts and this explosive Eagles offense off the field which is what you ultimately need to do to win a game like this and you know on the road against the number one seed in the NFC against arguably the most complete team that really doesn't have many flaws if any so that is going to be the biggest key to success if San Francisco wants to pull out with you know whether you want to call it an upset or not but a victory out in Philadelphia as for Philadelphia themselves, the biggest thing for me, along with stopping the run, is taking good care of the football. Now, this hasn't really been an issue for this Philadelphia team, I feel like. However, this Niners defense is an opportunistic defense, and allowing them to gain momentum through turnovers is something the Eagles definitely need to avoid. Don't give Brock Purdy the short field. You know, force him to drive down the field against your elite defense. I've been saying... I'm not fully convinced on Brock Purdy. I feel like he's just been put in, you know, perfect situations throughout. I want to see, if I'm Philadelphia, I want to see Brock Purdy on third and long and their own 20. How does he react to that type of situation? That, to me, is going to, you know, go a long way in determining the result of this game. But I just feel like, you know, with Philadelphia, just keep doing what you're doing all season. Don't turn the ball over. 
don't, you know, shoot yourselves in the foot. And ultimately, I feel like that is how they win this game. And now finally for my X factors for this game, I'm going to go with, you know, I think you kind of guessed it, but Brock Purdy for the Niners. He's going to be called upon, I like can guarantee it. He's going to be called upon to make a, fle- a few plays throughout the game, whether it's third and long, whether they're down three and they need a drive to come back in the fourth quarter. The biggest question for me is, will he answer the call and make plays or will he be the, the reason this Niner team falls short? Will, you know, a lackluster QB play be the reason they ultimately fall short and miss out on another Super Bowl appearance. So that's going to be, you know, my biggest X factor for the San Francisco 49ers. As for the Eagles, I feel like the, their front seven is the biggest X factor. Can they stop the run and force the Niners to have to throw the ball? As I said earlier, the Philadelphia Eagles are 16th against the run. The San Francisco 49ers are amongst the best, if not the best, rushing team, rushing offense in the NFL. So can they stop the run and force Brock Purdy and the Niners beat them with their passing game? Which is something that, you know, we haven't really seen many teams able to do. So can the Philadelphia Eagles, with the likes of Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, you know, can they kind of limit the San Francisco rushing attack and force a guy like Brock Purdy, who has not played in a game of this magnitude, can they force him to beat them rather than allowing the run game to beat them? With that being said... This game is probably the toughest game I have had to predict this year. It could really go either way, but ultimately I am going to go with Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like they are the more complete team to me, and I feel like they have you know, the more experienced QB, and I'm just not fully convinced of Brock Purdy just yet. So give me the Philadelphia Eagles winning this game in a close one. That is it for that game. Let's move on to the next game. Now, this is another banger of a matchup. The Cincinnati Bengals head into Burrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship. If you don't remember, you know, the Chiefs kind of ran out to a huge lead in the first half and ultimately blew their chance at making the Super Bowl, losing to the Cincinnati Bengals team. So that kind of left a sour taste in their mouth. That was just one of three games where the Chiefs haven't really been able to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow is 3-0 and against Mahomes, and whether you want to say it's due to the teams, you know, surrounding them or not, Joe Burrow has had Mahomes' number, and you can argue he has been the better QB between the two in their previous matchups. But, you know, this game is a one from QBs alone. You know, I expect this game, I expect, you know, this game to be similar to games in the past, you know, between these two teams. And that is a close, high-scoring battle that is ultimately decided by who can make an extra stop or two. In last year's playoff matchup, defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo did a terrific job at containing the high-powered Chiefs offense last year, and I feel like that was ultimately the difference in the game last season, especially in the second half. And you can argue this year, this defense has gone up, you know, better in every asset of the game. And, you know, so it'll be really interesting to see how the Chiefs counter whatever the Bengals throw at them this year, because especially in that second half last year and last year's matchup, they looked out of sorts and they really looked surprised at what the Bengals threw at them in the second half. I have been praising defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo for like the job he's been doing, especially last week. And I feel like, you know, I really do not doubt, you know, him and coming out with the perfect game plan to stopping a really, really good Chiefs offense. But now, for me, the biggest thing to keep an eye on for the Chiefs, you know, on the matchup itself, is the whole, is the health of Patrick Mahomes. You know, he has no injury designation. However, he is coming off a high ankle sprain. So regardless on whether he says he's fine or not, he can say that as much as he'd like. You know, his trainer or his his agent kind of released a photo of 
an x-ray, you know, with the dog in it, kind of saying he has that dog in him. But he he's not 100%. You know, he cannot convince anyone that he's 100% for this game. So the biggest thing is how does that impact this Chiefs offense and how do they attack the Cincinnati Bengals defense? I feel like that's the biggest thing. Can Mahomes make the throws that he's used to making? Because, you know, his it's a high ankle sprain. That's that's an injury that many players usually miss one to three weeks. And for him to be playing the next week, that's it's really you know going to be interesting in how that impacts the way he plays, the impacts the way he moves, whether he's able to throw on the run, whether he's able to move at all in the pocket. That's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. As for Cincinnati, how will the offensive line hold up against a somewhat, you know, I say somewhat in like air quotes, somewhat better defensive line this week? You know, last week they did a terrific job against a solid Bills defense. However, this week they're this you know they'll be going up against the likes of Chris Jones and Co. You know that's going to be the biggest thing for Cincy. You're going up against you know a guy like Chris Jones, playoff uh, Frank Clark, George Karloftis, who's a solid up and coming rookie, and then you're playing an Arrowhead. So that's going to be a huge test for the Cincinnati offensive line. And how are they going to go? How are they going to match up against this solid and feisty Chiefs defense? And now shifting to my keys to the game, you know, it's rather simple for both teams. For Cincinnati, is get to Mahomes and make him as uncomfortable as can be throughout the game. I've been saying, Mahomes isn't at 100%, so forcing him to move in the pocket will really test his agility, and I feel like it will really limit this Chiefs offense in doing stuff that they're really not used to doing. So getting to Mahomes, you know, making this offense one-dimensional, that is what Cincinnati needs to do. For Kansas City, it's limiting Cincinnati's passing game. In their previous matchups, the Chiefs have really struggled to contain the likes of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, more particularly Jamar Chase, and that has really hurt them a lot. So for me, limiting the explosive plays and having a bend-don't-break mentality defensively may be what it takes to help the Chiefs get a W. You know, as I said, this is going to be a high-scoring matchup, so keeping them to field goals rather than allowing touchdowns, that could ultimately, those four points could ultimately be what decides the game at the end of the day. And then now for my X-Factors for the game, the Cincinnati Bengals, for me, it's the offensive line. Can they repeat last week's performance in what is expected to be a tougher matchup in a tougher environment? So for me, if the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line replicates last, week, last week's performance, then that, then that ultimately decides the game. Because I feel like if the Chiefs want to have any shot at stopping this high-powered Bengals offense, they have to be able to, you know, to get pressure on Joe Burrow and limit the run game something that the Buffalo Bills failed to do last week. And then on Kansas City's side of the ball, their secondary, can they, again, limit the likes of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and force other players to beat this defense? Now, Cincinnati can beat you more ways than one, but limiting this high-powered offense really, you know, makes this offense one-dimensional, and it doesn't really do much. However, it's better than, you know, having Jamar Chase, you know, catch 200 yards and then T. Higgins catching, you know, three touchdowns over year. Limiting the passing game will really give this Chiefs team a shot especially in what is expected to be a high scoring game but those are my two x factors overall i am super excited for this game especially you know with all the trash talking going on you got the Bengals players you know the footage of them calling the chief stadium burrowhead you know considering that joe burrow has never lost to patrick mahomes and then you have the kansas city chiefs linebacker willie gay saying nothing impresses him from this Bengals offense so overall, this is going to be a really fun matchup. Chris Jones in his interview looked, you know, pissed as heck. You know, it's going to be an interesting matchup. As for my predictions, I am ultimately going to, I have decided to go with Cincinnati, setting up a Cincinnati and Philadelphia Super Bowl. The biggest thing for me personally is the health of Patrick Mahomes. And I just think him being, you know, under 100% will have a much bigger impact on this game than many people kind of realize. 
So I think that's going to ultimately be the difference in this game, and I have Cincinnati making it to yet another Super Bowl after this weekend. With that being said, that brings us to the end of this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to this conference championship preview brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Be sure to tune into our next episode next week when I'll be recapping everything that happens after this exciting championship weekend. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at LacesOutNFLPod on Twitter and at LacesOutNFL on Instagram. Finally, if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are available on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. Thanks again for your support. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay safe, stay well, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.